0: Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BedfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: We don't choose our family. And if you're like me and Clint, you've been blessed with siblings that are also great and supportive friends. But we've never been in a band with our siblings. There's a certain kind of greatness that comes from a band that is an actual family, and they can also end in spectacular and vicious fashion. This episode is about the sibling bands that soared the highest and sometimes flamed out just as memorably. Welcome to The Age Old Question. I'm Rich Price, and I'm Clint Bierman. This show is sort of like Car Talk meets behind the music. Ooh, Clint, I like that. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart people,
2: we're going to come up with the answer.
1: Okay, Clint, what's
2: today's question? Today's question is, what is the greatest sibling band
1: of all time? That's the age-old question. We've talked on the show before, Clint, about how hard it can be to be in a band. The touring, the pressures of writing the next hit, financial entanglements, the egos. Today's episode's not intentionally focused on the crashing and burning of sibling bands, but there's been so many that that's definitely a a sub-theme of today. (laughs) But there's something magic about when siblings make music together. It can be totally magic and can only be achieved by that blood connection.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Let's start us off with a sibling band.
2: The first one I'm going to talk about is a little band from Jacksonville, Florida, the Almond Brothers. So, Dwayne and Greg, brothers. Dwayne is older, Greg is younger, and when they were little, Greg started to play guitar first, and then Dwayne was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Apparently dropped out of high school and just played guitar Hmm. all day, every day. So they were in bands together, and then they went to Hollywood. Music business happened, they got dropped. Greg stayed to maybe become a solo artist in Hollywood, because the guy who brought him out there was like, you're going to be a star, kid, and Dwayne... Went back. Became a session guitarist. Became a
1: session guitar. At Muscle Shoals.
2: And they're doing a session, a Wilson Pickett session at Muscle Shoals. And it was actually Dwayne that suggested to Wilson Pickett that they should do Hey Jude.
3: Hmm. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song.
2: So they crush it. It actually charts pretty high. Like that was Dwayne's like first you know, national success. A couple years go by. Dwayne starts this band, and he's got Dickie Betts, Barry Oakley, Butch Trucks, and J-Mo. And they're looking for another singer. So Dwayne's like, we got to get my brother.
3: I was the last one to get in the band that became the Allman Brothers.
1: This is Greg speaking.
3: I don't know what my brother told those people before I got there, you know? Like, wait wait till he gets here, man. He'll write us
2: some hits. Comes back from California to join the band.
3: I had 22 songs when I arrived. And uh, came the day of me on the hot seat with a guitar. They said, uh, let's let's see what you got. And uh, I play him one, and, what else you got, man? And I'd play him another one, and, okay. What else you got? <laughs> and? I put dreams on them. Man, if ever in my life I belonged, it was in. I played it for them. Everybody got up, got on the instrument. Man, I was part of that band. And that is such a good feeling. Just one more morning
2: They got signed, went in the studio, made two records, didn't really do anything. I mean, they're a jam band, straight up, and it was hard for them to capture their thing in the studio. Right. So in 1971, Greg's idea, they played at the Fillmore East and recorded a three night run for Live at the Fillmore and it has gone on to become one of the greatest live albums if not the greatest live album of all time. And that really put them on the map, charted immediately. And it really showcased that band and what they did, how they could stretch the two guitars, the two drums. Greg's voice, we've talked about, just the most soulful voice. And Dwayne brought slide guitar to the masses. He was an incredible guitar player. And Dickie Betts was an incredible
1: guitar player. And that's the thing, is if you're a casual fan, you might know that guitar is an important part of the Allman Brothers, but you might not know that they sort of pioneered this idea of, like, harmony guitar lines. Yeah, guitar guitar from two guitarists, and it was Dickie Betts and Dwayne Allman. Right. So in in memory of Elizabeth Reed... guy
2: Jessica this is their signature sound specifically about the brothers yeah. If you're in a band with a sibling, you guys come from the exact same place. You have the same references. You ha- There's an automatic
1: deepness to your relationship. Doing it with a sibling immediately puts you ahead. That's the thing, because in my experience in being in a band, and I'm sure your experience is the same way, the moments that are most satisfying and most successful maybe are the moments where you're on exactly the same wavelength as your bandmates. Achieving that alignment or that, like, subliminal connection is maybe easier with a, a family member. Yeah, could be.
3: Walk along the river, sweet oh, no.
2: So what happened was, in 1971, Dwayne Allman was killed in a motorcycle accident they recorded Eat a Peach which was a landmark studio album for them that was their high watermark in my opinion
1: because i think he died he ran his motorcycle into a peach truck yes and it was like it was a morbidly humorous yes title yeah and what's interesting about that is that 1971 is fairly early in their career you know within first few years yeah. of course the Allman brothers continued to make music right up until almost the time that greg allman died right so many different guitar players. so the actual story of the sibling connection ends early ends early before any
2: of their grand success it was a sibling band to begin with but the majority of the success that they have garnered was done without Dwayne.
1: and would you say their biggest radio hit was ramblin man had to be which is dickie betts which is dickie betts Life. Best.
2: But Midnight Rider
1: Greg. Is Greg Allman. Yeah. By the way, if you're a guitar player, if you want to tune your guitar and you don't have any way else to do it, Midnight Rider's in D and it drones on that D, it's a really good way to tune your guitar. <laughs> That's extra. Clint, we've talked a few times on the show about the Beach Boys, which was led by the genius Brian Wilson, along with his brothers Carl and Dennis, and their cousin Mike Love. The Wilson brothers' domineering father, Murray, heard them playing in the garage, and he became their manager and helped them take this self-contained family garage band and become one of the biggest names in rock. They fired Murray in 1964 because he was being overbearing and disruptive. Brian became estranged from the band as his mental illness grew. Dennis drowned in 1983. Carl died of cancer in 1998. Mike Love, their cousin, is still out there leading the band that tours as the Beach Boys. back to what made their sound so unique it really is their vocals mm-hmm. brian's arrangements of the vocals and it almost goes back to like traditional music or gospel where family voices blend in a way that is just indescribable and transcendent
3: and wouldn't it be nice to live together in the kind of world where we belong you know it's gonna make it that much better we can say goodnight and stay together. Wouldn't it be nice if we could wake up in the morning when the day is new?
2: They're unbelievable arrangements of vocal harmony. But back when they were recording those songs, there was no autotune. They all sang it together around one microphone meaning yes the arrangements are incredible but the singing is incredible so precise it's so precise and, to, and accurate pitch wise and the blend that makes the beach boys has to come from blood harmonies like in a way it's like that's the magic sauce is that they have this blend that you can't get anywhere else. Run, run, run.
1: and you know the, the Beatles would sing around one mic Crosby, Sills and Nash would yep. but people listening to this show who may not be making music themselves it's just not how it's done anymore yeah you're right the genius of that is as much the performance as the arrangement yes
2: they released a acapella version of Pet Sounds and it is ridiculous Fla- Spectacular. flawless flawless
3: flawless What I'd be without
2: you. It, you can't beat it. Who else you got? Well, my next one a band from Manchester, England. Mm hmm. Band called Oasis. Oasis was mid 90s royalty and ended up being one of the biggest selling bands of all time in terms of record sales.
1: There was sort of a British invasion that took place in the 90s, and Oasis was at the forefront of that.
2: They were a notch above all those other ones in terms of sales. Right. They were also a notch above in terms of cockiness. Right.
3: Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do.
2: And at the center of that band is Liam Gallagher and his brother, Noel. Now, Liam is the lead vocalist, and Noel is the lead guitarist.
1: And the songwriter.
2: And the songwriter. They both wrote songs, but the good ones, (laughs) the hits, were all Noel's. Um, And this is one of those bands that just has a deep history of sibling fighting. Like, it's the story of the band is almost as good as the band. Right. Um, But they created seven studio albums, Hmm. which is a pretty good run.
1: That is a pretty good run. Because...
2: If you think about all the stories you've heard about how much they fought and how they hated each other, how we couldn't be in the same room together, creating seven full studio albums is pretty pretty amazing. So their second studio album, What's the Story Morning Glory, it was their highest selling album. And it sold 22 million copies worldwide and was also voted the best album of 30 years at the 2010 Brit Awards. So that puts them high in the running for greatest sibling band of all time in terms of sales. Yes. They're very much derivative, in my opinion. I could never get past that. Yeah. Redoing all the tricks. Yep. But they did them well. They did them well. There were some really, really catchy songs. So to date, Oasis has sold 70 million records, but I put them high up. How the band ended is interesting. So Liam contracted laryngitis, and so they canceled the gig, and Noel made a statement saying the gig was canceled due to Liam having a hangover. And so Liam sued Noel and demanded an apology, stating, quote, The truth is I had laryngitis, which Noel was made fully aware of that morning, diagnosed by a doctor. Like, you just (laughs) hear him. So Noel issued an apology, and the lawsuit was dropped.
4: He claimed he had laryngitis, but whatever, you know.
2: But as they kept going, the band started cancelling events and put out a statement, the band does not exist anymore. And two hours after that statement came out, a statement from Noel appeared on the band's website said, it is with some sadness and great relief, I quit Oasis tonight. People will write and say what they like, but I simply could not go on working with Liam a day longer.
4: (laughs) It kind of all started to unravel, if I'm being honest, when... He started his clothing label. This is Noel talking about his brother Liam. He demanded that in the Oasis tour program that he be allowed to advertise it, which I was I was against because I didn't fit, I, I, I didn't think that it was right for him to be flogging his gear to our fans, and there was a massive row about that. And in the end, I said, "All right, well, if you if you if you want to advertise in the program, how much?" And he couldn't get his head around that, and I was like, "Well, if you know." Electrolux kettles, want to advertise kettles in the tour program, they pay us money, right? So how much are you gonna pay me? And he hit the roof. And for whatever reason, he went to his own dressing room and he came back with a guitar and started wielding it like an ax, and I'm not kidding. It's a real unnecessary, violent act, and he's swinging this guitar around, and he kind of, you know, he nearly took my face off with it, you know? At that point, the tour manager came in and just went, five minutes. (laughs) And it it slowly went downhill from there.
1: you got rich the staple singers led by pop staples and his children cleotha purvis yvonne and mavis and of course mavis staple had her own amazing solo career here's a song from 1972 i'll
5: take you there
1: I just love The Staple Singers and I could not recommend more strongly that listeners of the show watch a new documentary called Summer of Soul. It's about a series of shows in Harlem in the summer of 1969. It's directed by Questlove and it pulls together footage that has been unseen for 50 years. It features a bunch of really memorable performances including from The Staple Singers.
3: Stay in school, study hard, and obey the rules. You may be young, but you may be able. You haven't got an education, you can't get common labor. It's been a chain.
1: It's in a change. Have you seen it yet? Uh-uh. Oh my God. Well, we have to talk about Jackson 5.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: If we're talking about the magic of sibling bands, Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, Marlon, and Michael became just an absolute pop sensation, starting with their first album in 1967. Were they just simply carried by the genius of the Youngest Brother? No.
2: (laughs) No way, man. That band was incredible.
3: Because
2: it wasn't just about the singing. It was about the choreography and the instruments and the. Oh man, that was... I don't think there's a better sibling there. Because that's a true sibling band. Right. No one not a sibling is in the band. Right? That It's different when you're talking about the Almond Brothers. There's six other guys. Right. That, or, you know, Oasis, there's two other guys. But here's five here's brothers. five brothers.
1: That's incredible. And
2: the, the king of pop is the youngest one. Right. And they knew it then. They had to know.
1: Who you got, Rich? The Bee Gees. The only group in history to write, record, and produce six straight number one singles. Barry, Robin, and Maurice Gibb. They were all great singers, but it's Barry's falsetto that became sort of the signature sound right. of that band. Well, you
2: that they stumbled upon, right? I feel like he was doing it as like a
1: joke or something. And they're like, wait, that sounds really good. You're onto something. something. They're one of the best-selling music artists of all time. Apparently more than 220 million copies sold. They had nine number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100, and they're the third most successful band in Billboard charts history, behind the Beatles and the Supremes, interestingly. Whoa. Maurice died in 2003, Robin in 2012, leaving only Barry, the sole surviving BG. Clint, what about the Everly Brothers? Ooh. Phil and Brother Don were a duo that had a huge influence on artists that you and I love. Yeah. Simon Garfunkel. The Beatles. The Beatles. The Everly Brothers may be most famous for songs like Bye Bye Love from
3: 1957. Bye bye, love, think I'm a gonna cry Bye-bye, love Bye-bye, sweet rest Hello, emptiness I feel like I could die Bye-bye, my love, goodbye Wake up, little
1: Susie Wake up, little Susie,
3: wake up Wake up, little Susie, wake
1: up And all I have to do is dream.
3: Dream, 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 In 2015,
1: Rolling Stone magazine ranked the Everly Brothers as the number one on its list of 20 greatest duos of all time. In 1973, they announced their show at Knott's Berry Farm in Disneyland would be their last show. Because tensions between the two brothers had started to surface. But during the show tensions got even hotter when Phil smashed his guitar and walked off, leaving Don to finish the show without him. Wow. Oh Can you imagine God. being so mad at someone that in the middle of a show you smash your guitar and walk off stage? Only a brother, like only a brother, right. could make you that mad. But the Everly Brothers have to be in the conversation primarily because of their influence on the bands that we love. Absolutely. I think we should call Jeff. Listeners of the show will know that we frequently have our special guest, Jeff Simons, join us. He really elevates every conversation. Let's call Jeff. Yes. Hello! Jeff, thank you so much for joining us again on the age-old question. This week we're talking about the greatest sibling bands.
5: Oh man, that's a good question. And as an only child, a mystery to me. Right. Like I uh, I don't have any brothers and sisters, so the idea of having one to make a band with sounds pretty fantastic. But they uh, they frequently do not go very well.
1: Well, so. We're talking about you know blood harmony. There's something really compelling about the way vocals blend when it's within a family. Unspoken telepathy amongst family members.
5: Especially because rock and roll is an art form that draws people who are working through stuff. So I feel like you're navigating a tough family s- script together and music is your outlet, and then you find a way to communicate through that when there are other things that are too painful to communicate, I would imagine that that would be just like a profound connection.
1: That's a really good point. What are some highlights for you in terms of sibling bands?
5: Um, Well, I would say that the first three years of the Allman Brothers Band... (laughs) I assume you you enjoyed uh, some Hanson, right? Mmm, bop. That's a classic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> another one, a sneaky one under the radar is Dire Straits. We have David Knopfler on Rhythm Guitar for the first three records until Mark fires him for the Making Movies sessions. David just could not stand Mark having the entire creative control of the thing. You get a
4: shiver in the dark, it's in the park, but Meantime
5: And then of course the band gets better and enormous after David Knopfler leaves, you
3: know, so... So he's not on Brothers in Arms No he's not on Making Movies Love Over Gold
5: The Alchemy Live Record Or Brothers in Arms He's just on the first Two records And the song Hand in Hand On Making Movies Feels to me like Mark's goodbye song To his brother Uh. If I've been hard on you Try and understand I never wanted No one else You know If I've been hard interesting yeah so that one comes to mind too we talked
1: about the staple singers um, oh that's a great one in part because summer of soul which which was just incredible have you seen it
5: oh it's three times i loved it i thought it was fantastic and then you've got the dad in the band i mean parent children bands that that aren't cloying and unwatchable are uh, that's a short list right that that the staple singers are on for sure In fact, I can't think of another one off the top of my head.
6: Go down, Moses. There's nothing that you can say. It's just old Luke, and Luke is waiting on the Judgement Day. Hey Luke, my friend, what about a young Annalie? He said to do me a favor, son. I want to stay and keep
5: Annalie company.
1: Jeff, thank you so much for joining us again. We love having you on the Age World Question.
5: This is my favorite thing that happens um, whenever it happens. You guys are the best. Thanks so much for having
1: me, buddy. See you, buddy. All
2: right, Rich, my last. I'm going to say this is my choice. At least now I'm going to say it.
1: Okay. The Black Crows. Second sibling band with ties to Georgia. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: their first cd shake your money maker i believe is their biggest to date yeah and and then their second album the southern harmony and musical companion reached number 1 on the billboard 200 in 1992 but i don't think it sold as many i do um, i do love that record i do love that record mm-hmm. listed at number 92 on VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock labeled as the most rock and roll rock and roll band in the world which is
1: (laughs) I think Mick Jagger and Keith Richards would have something to say about that
3: the
2: The band has had a high turnover rate if you know anything about the Black Rose. lots of different parts lots of different parts lots of different members over the time but consistently, in order to be the Black Crows, it's got to be Chris Robinson and brother Rich Robinson. Hmm. And when they recorded Shake Your Money Maker, Rich was 17 years old. That's incredible. And he's pretty high on the list of greatest guitar players of all time. To play that well at
1: 17, yeah. that is remarkable. It's something. Remarkable. It's remarkable. It holds up. It holds up. It really does. Like, she talks to angels. Yeah. And that was even written before. So
2: they were in a band before the Black Crows, like Garden of Crows or something. I can't remember the name of it. But they were that was written before the Black Crows, so that song he probably was written when he was like fifteen. It's or something. Incredible, and it's open tuning. It's it's like a really, really cool thing. So those guys did a lot of great work. <laughs> Nine studio albums is no joke, and they're still touring now. In fact, it's the. 30th anniversary of Shake Your Money Maker and they're Hmm. out on tour currently I believe Remedy is one of my favorites Love that
3: song
2: He's got such a soulful
1: voice Jealous again.
2: Great band. I lost track of the Black Crowes. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: Yeah. I didn't... After Amorica? Yeah, after Amorica, I never got another record. But we had a chance to work with Rich Robinson. We did. We should talk a little bit about that experience. Yep.
2: he, Rich and I wrote a song. You were
1: signed to... So I was signed to RCA... And they were looking for a producer for me. And I think Rich Robinson, the Black Crows had broken up for the first time. I was going to say 2002, maybe. Yep. 2002. Yeah, you're right. It is 2002. Chris Robinson and Kate Hudson had just gotten married. Yep. For whatever reason, Rich Robinson and Kate Hudson did not get along. So the band was done. Yep. And Rich Robinson had his managers reach out to record labels and was like, I want to produce. So someone from RCA called me and said, hey, Rich Robinson's looking for an artist to produce. He likes your music. Why don't you guys have lunch? So we met at a sushi place in Tribeca. And I remember liking our conversation. And he's like, let's get in the studio. Let's, let's record a couple songs. So the first thing I did was said, hey, Clint, <laughs> how, about, yes. how about you come down to New York? <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Somewhere down, in Soho. Yep, it was in Soho, and it was a strange experience.
2: It was. I remember what I remember is that he took the bridge section section of that song and made it six eight for some reason, or or, which totally totally changed the
1: whole thing, and it didn't work. No, and I don't think his heart was in the experience. I don't think so either. The thing I remember really vividly is he brought two albums in that were albums that he loved, that he wanted to channel in making this music with me. Mm-hmm. The first was James Taylor's Mudslide Slim.
3: I don't know, but I've been told there's a time from time to time. I can't eat, I can't sleep. But I just might move my feet. Cause there's nothing like the sound of sweet, so music. To change a young lady's mind. And there's nothing like a walk on down by the bayou. To leave the world behind. But slide.
1: The second was Little Feet. In
3: 1966, I found my love.
2: remember that yes and i use that on every album i make now that's the first thing i do when i work with an artist is like what do you want it to sound like like give me a reference point so that i can get in the same sport as you so i know
1: where you're coming from it's interesting and And i think i think about those records like mudslide slim is a real singer songwriter record and then the little feet is greasy little feet yeah sick great groove like groove rock yeah It was one of the really difficult things in my life to call my manager and be like, I don't think this is working out.
2: Like with with a legend. With with a legend. He was a legend, yeah.
1: But I was aware that we were spending money every day and this was money that was going to be recoupable. And and there just wasn't chemistry. And I, you know, as I said, I don't think his heart was in it. I'm sure he's a great guy. I, I would enjoy now 20 years later getting a chance to make music with him but that was interesting to have that experience with him before we go clint we have to have some honorable mentions oh heck yeah how about an australian hard rock band featuring brothers malcolm and angus young oh my lord acdcs
2: Who sold more than ACD? Oh my lord! They
1: sold be... 72 million units they just in the United States huge alone. Huge band. Huge and band. Their another sibling of theirs, George Young, occasionally stepped in as bassist, drummer, backup singer, composer, and business manager. Huh. So there was actually three siblings wow, involved. Wow, I didn't, in that band. I didn't realize that. How about another Australian band, INXS? Did you know that it was primarily a sibling band? No. The Ferris Brothers, Andrew on keys, John on drums, and Tim on lead guitar. Of course, joined by lead singer, their friend, Michael Hutchins. What? The Ferris Brothers formed this band in 1977.
3: They were massive in the 80s, with songs like, Need You Tonight.
1: Devil Inside.
5: Devil inside the devil inside every single one of us the devil inside devil inside every
3: single one of us the devil inside
1: new sensation Suicide Blonde. Never Tear Us Apart. Ah.
2: Clint, you and I love NXS. Sack
1: sax solos. Of course, Michael Hutchins died in 1997. And they continued to play, but it's just not the same without Michael Hutchins. Some other sibling bands. The kinks. She
3: walked up to me and she asked me to dance. I asked her, her name, and in the top row voice, she said hello. Hello, Elaine.
1: You be 40.
3: Here I am, babe. Come and take me. Here I am, baby. The woman take
1: me. Heart. Yeah. The only female sibling band we've talked about so yeah. far. The Carpenters Yep Why do
5: birds suddenly appear Every time
1: Credence There were two Fogartys in that band I didn't know that
3: I see Moon
1: Van Halen Oh of course Van Halen But there are some modern sibling bands yeah. that you and I both love. Yeah. My current obsession, literally it's an obsession. I listen to it several times a day. Is it the Jonas Brothers? It's not the Jonas oh, Brothers. Okay. But my bandmate Brian turned me on to the, the Brothers Landrith. This song, Vulture Choir, is literally my current obsession.
3: Look out my window Tell me what do you see Everything is on fire Baby don't you lie to me Fly over Holland Leave a smoky trail This L.A. drama Was born to Choir. Sing it from your book Take me high. Sing it to me line by line. Sing it to me
2: line Ooh, That is really good, Rich. So, my current obsession is another sibling band. The band is called Dawes from Los Angeles, California, and it's brothers Taylor and Griffin Goldsmith. Taylor is the principal songwriter and vocalist, and actually lead guitar player. And Griffin is the drummer. And here's one of those bands that has unbelievable lyrics. There was a time, back in the folk era,
1: you know, when lyrics were the main thing. When
2: they were the main thing. And now pop music has come so far. The technology has come so far that it's all about the sounds and the sound of the kick drum and the sound of the vocals. Right. The sound and of the,
1: lyrics are secondary. They're secondary.
2: But in Dawes, I don't think there's a better lyricist going today when the tequila runs out.
3: Everyone that greeted
2: me was moving slow and drinking fast. I was lost inside a painting on a wall. A pretty baby with a cigarette was looking for a place to
1: ash. Stumbling toward the voices down the hall.
3: They have filler on the stereo Not the album, just the song Put two dancers on in white And no one really knew There were a lot of leather jackets There was a haircut read
1: I love that song. I really love all your favorite bands.
2: I hope that life without a chaperone
3: is what you thought it be. I hope your brother's El Camino runs forever.
2: I hope the world sees the same person that you've
3: always been to me. And they all your favorite bands.
2: Stay together. That's what th- an analogy! Like it's like it's
1: such it's the th- nicest thing that you can wish for right. someone. Yeah, I hope your favorite bands stay, stay together.
2: together. Got it.
1: Perfect. Alright, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Okay, what is the greatest sibling band of all time? I'm gonna say the Black Crows. I'm gonna go with the Beach Boys. I like the Jackson Five though. It's hard to beat the Jackson Five. It's hard to beat them. Except there's that whole Michael thing, right? All right. Well, Rich, yes. Did we answer the question? I think we checked the boxes. Okay. I think we dotted the I's, okay. we crossed the T's. Boom. We crossed the Rubicon. <laughs> All right. We hope you had a great time, as much fun as us, and we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another the age old, old question. question. Follow us on Instagram at the age old question. Facebook, the age-old question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments.
2: But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No
0: hating. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to betfredsports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs.
2: It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor, Ted, loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening?
0: Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third party insurers.
6: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football